Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited to uh, talk today. And, uh, and today's message is going to be about a good, good father that every one of us can be involved in. So it's not just for dads, it's for everybody. And, um, and so it's going to be a big net. And, and I, uh, just as Blake was talking about expanding our mind for worship, I, I just find the, the uh, prophetic art uh, almost every week is, is kind of leading to where we're talking about. So isn't it beautiful? And so today that is prophesying just an expansion of our mind, expansion of our understanding. And I, I just sense that's going to be what happens today. I, I'm going to speak on Romans 8. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. And it's about a father. And in that chapter, because I, as a 17-year-old boy, I experienced this, what happens and what's being talked about in this chapter. I experienced it before I ever read this chapter. So as a, at 17, I had grown up unchurched, got saved in a little hippie church. I just started showing up on Sunday nights, sit on the back row. I'd leave with a tear in my eye. The Holy Spirit was just working on me. I'd come back, I'd come back. But what happened inside of me in that little hippie church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, almost 50 years ago, um, was so impactful. And then when I read it, it, what was going on in the Word, it cemented it. An experience and the Word of God came together out of the mouth of two witnesses. And uh, we've heard the saying... uh, that um, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So I have an experience in this chapter, and, and I believe it's impartable today. And I believe the word of God, my faith level on this chapter is so high that I believe that it has the power to shift things in the spirit. It has the power to unlodge things. If you're stuck today, it has the power to unstick you. If you don't feel like a son or a daughter today, it has the power to give you that. I have great faith in what's going to happen today. I've been in services where people get out of wheelchairs, where people are healed, seen that so many times. It's wonderful. But what can happen, what is going to happen in the spirit realm today is just as powerful. In your hearts, in the expanded expansion of our minds and our way of thinking. So that's my faith story for this. And Romans 8 was written by the Apostle Paul. And think about his life. He's a Jew of Jews, he's persecuting Christians. He's there when the first martyr, when Stephen was stoned and killed. He's watching. He's a part. He was everything uh, blue blood in the Jewish culture. And God knocks him off a horse and presents himself to him, says, quit persecuting my people. And God chooses, 
this man amongst everyone who was on the planet to write his word, to give revelation to about who he was. And, and so the apostle is writing, and he's writing about God things that no one up to that time had ever known. It's pretty fascinating. We, we see a God in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, and it's, it's a God that he's, he's stern, he's strong, he's faithful, he's a jealous God, he's a warrior God. He's an exacting God. And Jesus came and said, I'm not here to break that. I'm here to fulfill it. He was adding to it. And we know that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus is God. In Colossians 1, he's he's the fullness. He's He's the exact representation of the Father. And he's adding to what? We know, and the revelation of Jesus that Paul is bringing us is revolutionary. It's life-changing. It's magnificent. So let's uh, jump in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read out of uh, New American Standard, that 2020 version, and and a little bit out of the Passion Translation, and so. Um, I kind of like to toggle between different groups. One of the beautiful, there's nothing that beats having a Bible. And you know, one thing I miss in church is the turning of pages. Like, you don't hear that anymore. People are looking at uh, their, you know, their, their phones and their apps and stuff, which is awesome. The thing I love about phone apps is you, with two or three buttons, you can find another verse or you can go to another version and you can go back and forth so easily. Whereas before... You had to have all these Bibles. So it's kind of cool either way. So we're going to do a little bit of both. All right? And so if you would open your app or turn your Bible to Romans 8, verse 14. And I love the NASB because um, it's, it's what they've done, my understanding of what they've done in that, that translation is they take each word and they translate it. Then they take the next word of a verse and they translate it. They take the next word. So you can imagine if you do that, it stays very true to the original language. Now it can be cumbersome from a linguistic or English standpoint. It can be, you know, because the languages don't necessarily translate that well. Some other versions of the Bible, they they have the liberty to take a, an entire paragraph or a, a phrase or a, and, and, and not go word by word, but just capture the meaning. Not, I don't know that one's right or wrong, but the second one, just capturing the meaning can be more beautiful, more linguistically fun. And so I, I kind of think when I read the NASB and the Passion Translation, it's like watching the Braves with... Um, you got the play-by-play announcer? That's the NASB. You got the color commentator? That's the passion translation. So, you know, if you, don't have, if you don't have the play-by-play guy, you don't really know what's going on, and you don't know what the score is. It's, they're kind of important. 
But if you don't have the color commentator, it's kind of dry. So this is going to be good. You're going to get both today. So, Amen. So, so let's go to Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For all who are being led by God, these are the sons and daughters of God. I've been trying to train myself, like when I read something in the Bible that's kind of huge, I like to stop. Stop. Arrest myself. Like, this is kind of big. And I also ask myself, do I believe it? One of my preacher friends says, the problem with the overall church these days is that we have a lot of Christian atheists and unbelieving believers. We have to ask ourselves, do we really believe this stuff? And does my life reflect it? Verse 14, who, we, who, all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. This is basically saying, you're a son of God if you're being led by the Spirit of God. In the uh, Romans 8, it says, says it a different way, and it says that... Um, the mature children of God are only those, those and only those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a sobering verse since a lot of the church, the Western church, doesn't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Like, they're kind of scared. They treat the Holy Spirit like the weird uncle at the, you know, at the Christmas party. <laughs> Like, I know he's part of the family, but we don't understand him, and we really don't want to talk about him. So that's why this is kind of a sobering verse. He's not saying sons of God are the ones that go to church and tithe, who act right, who don't cuss and chew. He's not saying, he's saying one of the best ways to know if you're a son of God, is if you're led by the Spirit of God. And that's a little uh, sobering for me because, to be honest, I know that 24-7 I'm not always led by the Spirit of God. So that gets added to my tw top 20 scary verses in the Bible right there. My kids say, Dad, you got like 400 top 20 scary verses in the Bible. And so there's a whole message in that one verse. But I see that verse, and if I meditate on that verse, I want, I just, there were some weeks there where I just kind of, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit today. That's a great prayer. Could I be led by your spirit? Could I be sensitive to the impulses of your Holy Spirit? As much as you may like the WWJD bracelet, what would Jesus do? That's really my reasoning as to what I think he might do now. But Ephesians says every believer was sealed by the Holy Spirit. If I engage that, God, if I want to be focused my attention on you, 
and I want to be led by the Spirit. There's no formula for that. It's more art than science. It's more art school than engineering school. So Lord, I just, uh, I just sense your Holy Spirit resting in the room, even now. Mature sons are led by the Spirit. Mature daughters led by the Spirit. You sense, do you sense the Spirit of God resting? In verse 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption. In the Passion Translation, I love this verse in the Passion, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery. You didn't receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of not being good enough. Jesus Christ came to revolutionize that. I mentioned I, I grew up unchurched. I never had a pastor, a teacher, or a father tell me about God necessarily, but I had this thought that I, I better do right or I was my life would turn for the worse. I, like when things were going good, in my, this is my early years of Christianity. Like no one taught me this, it was just there. There was never a sermon about this. I don't know, it just got there. But I, when things were going good, I'd, you know, not literally, but I'd almost hold my head. Don't, don't change anything because the other shoe's going to drop. And I saw God as a, a loving father, but a correcting, very correcting. Like, I'm going to get you where I want you to go by circumstances in your life. That was bad theology. And I was under a bondage in my improper way of thinking about God. No one taught me. I can't blame anybody. I don't, I don't know where it came from. But when I read this verse, it sounds like 19-year-old Steve. You did not receive a spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of not being good enough. I want to, this chapter is going to scream, you're enough. It's going to scream, it's not about your performance, it's about him. It's about what a good father is. It's going to scream, you're enough. You're more than enough. And I've, I felt the Lord tell me to just, hey, Go tell your kids they're enough. They're more than enough. They better know that. If they don't know that, then I, I, I'd be sad about that as a father. But today, they're going to hear from me 
you're more than enough. And I encourage you to copy me today and tell your kids, if you're a mom and dad, you're more than enough. Because that's the message of the great father in this, this chapter. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So this God, this old covenant God, this strong God, this faithful God, this exacting God is introducing through the Apostle Paul a more full revelation, the revelation of Jesus and what he's done and what he's purchased and what he's brought us. It is fabulous. It is almost too good to be true. And he's saying, I've brought you into this. The, the old covenant God, he, he felt distance. Like you, you know, you saw that. Like on the Holy of Holies, the highest priest went into the Holy of Holies. They tied a rope around his leg just in case he screwed up and they could pull him out. When Jesus on the cross and it is finished, that tapestry, that huge curtain, tore from the top down signifying you and I get to go in. It was a beautiful example of, of a, a new day of access and a new day of intimacy. In that old covenant, they wouldn't even write his name or say his name. I had a Jewish assistant work with me for 15 years. They don't write the name of God the way we do. They abbreviate it. Leave letters out. That's the holiness of God. And now the Apostle Paul is introducing, you get intimate with me to call me Papa, Daddy. This is revolutionary. If we could just take ourselves back into that culture, we'd realize how revolutionary it is. The Beatles sang, there's gonna be a revolution. Well, you know, this is the revolution. <laughs> Theirs wasn't exactly a godly revolution, but. <laughs> but I felt this verse. We just sang two seconds ago. To the one who holds the stars, who also holds my heart. That's his verse. He didn't lose the majesty and the strength of the old covenant when he added the intimacy of a papa, daddy. He held his majesty and he became a loving father. And somehow, as a kid who knew nothing about God, I just experienced, I felt like I was in the family. I felt like I belonged. I felt like a son. I felt embraced. I felt more than enough. Enough. And I grew up a performance kid. 
because that's where I got my strokes, because I wasn't getting it from some other places. Had a wonderful dad, but there weren't a lot of strokes. And you may, in that generation, colonel in the army, you know, it wasn't a lot of love you, love you, love you, firm you, firm you, firm you. I got a lot of good other things. You know what? Every one of us is an imperfect father, led by imperfect fathers, who were led by imperfect fathers, who were led by imperfect fathers. So what we get to do is we get to take those great things that were there and add to it with the greatest trump card of all, our Abba Father. We are all in that exact same boat. If you didn't have a dad, you just get to add more. If you had a really rough time, guess what? The stuff that was born in you in that adversity is amazing. And you, I bet you wouldn't trade it for the world, what you got in that. And I think all of us think, boy, if I'd grown up in this kind of family, I grew up all the time thinking, if I'd grown up in that kind of family and I wasn't the product of five divorces, I wonder, I bet I'd be a pretty cool kid. I wonder how I'd be different. But I've become, uh, I've become pretty intimately aware with a family that I thought the mom and dad were practically perfect. And I have news for you. Their kids still are a mess. They still struggle. Why? Because there's an enemy of our souls. There's one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We still have to go through life, and life isn't easy, right? So you could just kill that thought, like, if I had better parents, then life would be easy. It wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't. And you might not have the intestinal fortitude you have now. So, it, you know, the word from the Lord is, it is what it is. It is what it is. And that's going to set somebody free right now. And so you've been adopted, and we cry out, Abba, Father. And I just, I'm going to believe God that there's a grace. Like if you've never felt that Abba, Father, that intimacy with a dad, you've given your life to the Lord, but you've not felt that I'm loved, I'm more than enough, I'll never be unsunned. I've been chosen from the foundation. It's not about being good enough. It's really about what Jesus did on the cross that brought me acceptance and righteousness. And that's all it is. And I'm more than enough. And I'm not behind anyone else on the planet. I don't stand behind anyone else on the planet for his love. He's my daddy. 
He's my papa. And when I have acted outside of that, it's lack of faith. I've become an unbelieving believer. But I believe there's a grace in the room for that. And if you, you, we're just going to do a quick altar call. You just stand where you are. That's all we're going to do. If you stand, we're going to pray a prayer. I believe God, through his word, is going to make an adjustment. So stand real quick. That's you. If you say, I, I need, I have not totally, I think, Steve, there's something there. There's more Abba Father for me. There's more, I'm more than enough. We teach what we know and we impart who we are. And Lord, I impart and I believe your word. I believe the God of Romans 8 that adopted every one of you into the family of God, adopted you as a son, adopted you as a daughter, adopted you as a son of the day and a daughter of light, adopted you and chose you before the foundation of the world and loved you while you were in your mother's womb and you stand second to no one. You stand behind no one in his love for you. And I release a grace to feel and experience the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Receive that with belief. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, we've had church already. Now it's all bonus. It's bonus time. It's amen. Believe that for the... Believe that for yourself and believe that for the ones that stood with you. There's something powerful here. The Spirit himself, verse 16, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself, testifies with our spirit. What does that mean? The Spirit himself, capital S, the Holy Spirit is testifying with my spirit, the spirit of Steve Hale. They're communicating. The Holy Spirit is telling my spirit in this realm, in this truth, the Holy Spirit's testifying, you're born again. You're a child of God. You're in the family. You belong. You're more than enough. The Holy Spirit's telling me that. I feel that. I felt that with no knowledge. It's real. It's supernatural. It's God's word. Test, the Holy Spirit is speaking to my spirit. You're, you belong. You're enough. Oswald Chambers, in his uh, My Utmost for His Highest, I, I was... My, my religious upbringing was nothing to 17, seven years, Charles Stanley, three times a week, hearing him preach the word. But then 
but I didn't get much about the Holy Spirit there. I got a lot about a wonderful foundation and I was saved. I, you take this experience I had along with a guy preaching the assurance of salvation three times a week for seven years. I never doubted salvation. But Oswald Chambers began to talk to me about the Spirit. And his commentary is October or something and around this verse. And he's saying the Holy Spirit testify. It's the reason you're feeling the te- Holy Spirit testifying is he testifies about redemption. He's testifying about your obedience to lay your life down. And he's coming out of that obedience to let you know. I'm here. I'm cementing. I'm sealing. The Spirit is testifying because of the redemption work. And so there's a, a beautiful thing happening there. <clears throat> One thing wrong with these Bibles on your phone is they just time out all the time. And they switch sides on you while you're preaching. (laughs) And if children, then heirs also. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And indeed, if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. Do you see where this is going? You got chosen from the foundation. He did all the work. He's calling you his Abba, Daddy, Father. He's inviting you into intimacy with him. He's recognizing life isn't always perfect if you suffer. But if you'll see this thing through, you become a fellow heir. You become an heir. A fellow heir with Jesus. And his what's the last word? And he wants to glorify you. I'm sorry, but that's too good to be true. That actually takes belief. That is going to require your brain to get bigger and your belief and your minds. Because can you imagine your life if you really believe that? I'm a son. I'm chosen. I'm more than enough. I'm at the head of the line in God's love. And he, he's conforming me to the image of Christ, and he wants me to be like Jesus, and he wants to make me an heir of all things. You know you're richer than Bill Gates? If you are a mature son or daughter and believe the word of God, you feel richer than Bill Gates based on Romans 8. What if your life, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, like, believe this. Can this get from my head to my heart, that long 12 inches? Because if it does, I'll be unoffendable. If it does, It'll be easy to forgive. If it does, I don't drop into self-pity. If it does, I don't play the victim card. Even if any of those four things I have a right to, 
even if I really was wrong, even if I do have something to forgive, even if I can drop the victim card, it, why do I need to? Sift your stuff. Pretend Romans 8's a coffee filter and your junk is that black old coffee ground. And let Romans 8 sift it out. That you're a son, you're a daughter, you've been chosen, you're more than enough, and your destiny is to be an heir with Jesus, and his goal is to glorify you. Am I a believing believer or an atheist Christian? Because this is life-changing if we believe it. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 18. I consider the sufferings of this present time. If we were all honest, there's something, an area in our life that could be considered sufferings at some time or another, or even right now. But the Apostle Paul, the one who was betrayed, the one who was beaten, the one that was shipwrecked, the one who's had more sufferings than any of us, is saying this. There's, you don't sense any sarcasm. There's no, woe is me. There is... There's nothing. There's no tone in that. There's no self-pity in that statement. Hey, I, he's, not even, he's not even one up in me and saying, I've suffered more than you. He's just saying, I, the present sufferings really aren't that bad. It's not saying they're nothing. It's just saying when you weigh them in light of this glorious promise, that is powerful enough to get me unstuck. If you're stuck in one of those four areas, unforgiveness, I, I'm gonna have trouble remembering them now, they were so good. Self-pity, unforgiveness, a victim mentality, and offendable. That's, that gets about 95% of the people off track in the church. And me too, I've been stuck. What gets us unstuck is when we take those four things to the cross. And God isn't saying they weren't real. I'm not saying they're not real. I took my stuff to the cross. It's real. But in light of Jesus' sacrifice, it felt kind of small when I got the revelation in worship right there where I hear God clearest and with the most courage to obey. Or I take my stuff 
to Romans 8 and let the washing water of the word of God drip on my stuff. And I stand there like the apostle Paul and say, I just don't think the sufferings I'm dealing with are that big. Can you imagine the revelation he's got? Can you feel it in that verse? Like he's got it. He knows the, he knows the future, what it looks like. He can feel it. He can see it. You can hear it. Read it again. Read it through Apostle Paul's life, through his eyes. Go back 2,000 years. Put yourself in his shoes. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. We get that revelation. I get that revelation. And, and those things get stuck in the coffee filter. And I come out freer bolder, standing up straight. I don't care if I'm dealing with a disease that wants to kill me. I can stand in Romans 8 and say, with Apostle Paul, hey, the future glory is amazing. I don't care what relationship issue I have today. I don't care what's going on at work. I don't care what's financially. I, the present sufferings are nothing compared to the future glory. And Apostle Paul got the revelation. And it's available to you today. That's the key to health. Healthy fathers... Healthy moms, let's speak on fathers on Father's Day. Healthy fathers build healthy families and healthy businesses and healthy churches. This is how we stay healthy. Because that person is light and free. That person who has had Romans 8 become real in their life is light and free. And let me take you, let's end on these last few verses in chapter, in verse 26. Now in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, groaning too deep for words. Hey, how do you get out of this? Pray. Pray in the Spirit. Just give yourself, like, it, the words don't have to make, the groan, it said groans. Pray. What do you say about, what's prayer and lack? What's that quote, John Donaldson? What's Bill Johnson say about prayer and lack? You just told me the other day. Prayerlessness is tied into lack. Here, so if we find lack, let's pray. Your Father's Day present to me is believing this next verse. Verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he justified. And those he's justified, he also glorified. 
compare our gospel to what the world has to offer. You're a massive amoeba, you just were born, you're no better than any plant, animal, or anything. When you die, you just become dust. There's no glorious place. God didn't call you, he doesn't know you. There is a powerless, ugly way of life. But you just get to do your own thing and screw around with whoever you want to and do it all. You get some short-term fun that usually turns into a mess. But the gospel, can you believe what he's saying? He's predestined you before the foundation. He foreknew you. He predestined you. Predestined you to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. It takes a lot of guts and intestine and something to believe this. Father's Day, you got to man up to believe this. This is, this is a high bar. Don't, don't waste your time at church and not believe it. Like, really. If you're going to come, at least believe it. If you're going to give your tithe and show up, might as well believe it and get the benefits of it. Like, it's a born loser not to get the benefit of it. Conform to the image of his son. And he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. And he called, he justified. Justified, he glorified. This is the reigning in life message. When we talk about reigning, this is the gospel. Like, he wants you to reign in life. He wants you to be glorified. It's such a high calling. Why would I get bogged down in junk and stuck? The Apostle Paul saw how beautiful it was, how glorious it was. How one, I know I'm saying the same thing 10 times. And I'm really, that's not really my personality. He caught the image of it being so wonderful. He said, I'm going to lay down my stuff. What if an entire church did that? I think you got the message. I'm preaching to myself, amen? As the body of Christ, would we, could we hold each other to this? You know, when we get into self-pity or junk, just, just rib, hey, Romans 8, baby, let it drip on you. Let it drip. We're better than this. We're better than this. There's power there's enough power in this truth mixed with the Holy Spirit to shake you out of anything you're stuck with. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit is just touching hearts today like, hey, you need to let go of that thing. I, I shared with you how I was having trouble. I had, you know how you have trouble forgiving something? And I, like I had 10 interactions like, okay, I got to forgive again. I got to forgive again. I got to forgive again. I was stuck in forgiving. It's in the, it's, sometimes as a father, you just have to eat it. And like Jesus, he came and closed his mouth. And you don't need anything. You just need to be a father. Sometimes you just, the prize has got to be big enough to lay it down. So if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about something you're stuck in, we're going to do the same kind of altar call. You're going to stand up and sit down. If your Holy Spirit's dealing with you with something you're stuck in, I'd like you to stand up, and we're just going to believe God that he's going to do something today. Okay, good. Thank you for your obedience. The Holy Spirit will respond to obedience. So, Lord, in standing up, we are responding to the tug on our heart by the Holy Spirit. The sons and daughters of God, the mature sons and daughters of God who are sons and daughters are led by the impulses of the Spirit of God. And I believe right now that's happening. So each and every one of us who has something to give, something they're stuck, something to forgive, something to let go, something we're stuck in. Whatever God's asking you to do, repent, to move away, to forgive, to stand as a Romans 8 child of God, called, justified, flipping into a new day. On Father's Day, I got free. On Father's Day, I got free. On Father's Day, I became a good father again. On Father's Day, I broke it. On Father's Day, I made that phone call. Physical obedience brings a spiritual release. And I break that. I bring release and pray for release for every obedient son and daughter. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let's give God the glory. He's a good God. God the glory. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.